0: And then um, maybe we'll get into a new new worksheet. And I have that up here, and I didn't want to hand it out because I'm I'm going to be gone for the next couple of Sundays. But we're looking at um, fellowship with God who is light. And um, that's what this epistle is all about. In fact, um, verse four uh, uh, verse three and four it says, "Truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son Jesus Christ. and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. And um, so uh, God's desire is to fellowship with us. that's his desire. and uh, this is John's desire is that we fellowship with, with God, who is light, but there are things that threaten this fellowship and it is these these things that john is trying to make his uh, make us aware of you know let's uh, don't let these things steal from you which which is rightfully yours and that is fellowship with god and so uh, in the big, so what i've been doing is i've been kind of touching on things that um and this isn't a phrase that i've coined but i've been talking about um modern gnosticism and uh, this modern gnosticism um, is uh, rampant. It's not only in politics; it's in our religion, it's in our education, and uh, it's just everywhere. Uh, so much so that uh, people have become accustomed to it. It just seems to be the the norm, and I'm afraid that most of us don't see the danger of of what is going on around us. And if we do, uh, you know. What can we do about it? What is, there, what is there that we can do about it? And so uh, we're looking at this, uh, fellowshipping with God who who is light because of the encroaching darkness. There is an encroaching darkness that just seems to permeate everything. And so um, so I was burdened to go through First uh, John with everybody. And John's exhortation for us is to abide in the light, stay stay in the light, don't let the darkness uh, woo you away from the light, don't let the darkness uh, threaten you or intimidate you away from the light, Um, be alert, you know, keep your eyes open, watch out, Uh, take take heed to what you're doing, and so... um, we're gonna, I'm, I'm trying to get to where we are in our worksheets, in my mind. I hate doing that. I hate just stopping right there, but that's just, that's just the way it's going to happen, I'm afraid. So, um, understand that the prevalent wisdom today is geared to minimalize... Your, the word of God and minimalize the Lord Jesus Christ and minimalize your faith and relationship with both that's that's the goal ok that's the goal and so um, that's what they're doing but and here's the sad thing Um, the church is doing it to itself and um, if I step on toes uh, too bad but the church is doing it to itself and I don't know if I covered this but there are three major contributors to the church that's allowing this enlightenment to infiltrate the church and um the biggest, the biggest thing about the church today is it just simply lacks discernment. And the reason why it lacks discernment is there's three reasons, at least three that I can see. The first one, and I, like I said, I don't know if I covered this last week or not, but the first one is the many false prophets and the antichrists that masquerade as brethren in the church today. I mean, there are a lot of televangelists, there's a lot of pastors, a lot of preachers on the radio, there's a lot of folks who sell books, tapes, CDs, whatever. And they sound legit. But if you take them to the Word of God, you examine what they're saying by the Word of God, they're not. But unfortunately, in this church that we live in today, people are not picking up on it. They're simply not picking up on it. So we have all of these false prophets, all of these false teachers, all of these antichrists out there who are masquerading as brethren and people are receiving them. The second thing is poor leadership in the churches. Poor leadership in the churches. Uh, there is leadership in the churches that will not contend for the faith. There is leadership in the churches that will not hold to the word of God. There is leadership in the churches that will not provide their people with the proper training, the proper education, the proper uh, tools that they need to stand against this encroaching darkness, this enlightenment. Uh, the, the the leadership is more and I'm not saying this is true of all leadership, but it's more like they're more concerned about nickels and noses than they are in preparing their people, getting their people ready. Or you know, they're they've got a big building project going on or, or you know, whatever. It seems like seems like the leadership is distracted from what the main thing is anymore. And then the third thing that I've seen is a just plain biblical laziness and a ignorance on behalf of the people sitting in the pews or the seats in the churches uh, they simply will not look into the Word of God and see for themselves that what they are hearing from the pulpit is indeed what the Bible teaches they're just simply lazy. They, they don't want to take the time. They want somebody else to teach them what the Bible says. They want somebody else to tell them what they are to believe. And they don't take the time to find out if Pastor so-and-so is right or if Pastor so-and-so is wrong. So you've got all these false teachers and you've got poor leadership and then you've got people who won't check them won't check them all of that contributes to this darkness creeping into the churches and that's why so many of the churches today are in such a mess that's why we what I call a distract we have a distracted church we're focusing on other things other than what we should be focusing on now in my opinion okay Take it with a grain of salt. And I'll I'll always tell you if it's my opinion or not. But in my opinion, one of the modern Gnostics of our time that contributes to this this malady of the church is a popular preacher by the name of Andy Stanley. Now some people get squeamish when names are named from the pulpit. Like, you know, you shouldn't do that. Well, Romans 16:17, Paul says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. I think that's one of the faults of poor leadership is they don't tell their people, watch out for so-and-so because we don't want to offend anybody. And... It, even though they're offending us by their false doctrine and their teaching. Um, let me quote an article that I had found some time back that Andy Stanley had written. And this is what he said. Now listen carefully to what he says. He's a very articulate man. He's, not a, he's no slouch. Okay, This man is no slouch. He's very articulate. A lot of people uh, follow Andy Stanley. He says Holding to our faith in the risen Christ We should not believe that everything rises and falls And whether all of the Bible is true Okay Did you pick up on what he's saying here? He continues He says thinking that way And that all of the Bible is true Is unfortunate And absolutely unnecessary now we hear that and we, red flags and bells go off but the majority of the people who hear that don't pick up on what he says because they like Andy Stanley. All right? What Andy is saying is that we don't have to believe everything in the Bible in order to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. And if we do believe everything in the Bible is true then it's, inf- that it's, it's unfortunate that we believe that way. That's what he's saying. Now let that settle in for a minute. See, we can believe some of the Bible being true, but not all of the Bible is true, and this shouldn't affect our faith in the risen Lord. Is that a true statement? No, it is not. That is not a true statement, but yet people believe that. Now right there, this liar, Andy Stanley just made a liar out of Jesus who's the way, the truth, and the life because Jesus said that God's word boasts, well, when he was alive it was the Old Testament, wasn't it? He said in John 17, 17 sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth what word was he referring to? Well, the one that was then, it was the Old Testament. Truth is truth, folks. Truth can't be truth if some of the truth is not real or made up or didn't happen. Truth is truth. There's no mixture. When Jesus said, thy word is truth, if we use Andy Stanley's reasoning, then which part of what Jesus said is truth? Which part? Jesus said, thy word, singular. He didn't say thy words as though we can pick and choose. So when he said, thy word is truth, he's talking about the whole thing. The whole book. Andy Stanley continues, he says, If we stake our faith on the whole Bible being true... Then, according to Andy Stanley, then Christianity becomes a fragile house of cards religion. When we hear that perhaps the walls of Jericho didn't come tumbling down. Again, if we follow Andy Stanley's reasoning, we must conclude that if the entire Bible isn't true, then the Bible isn't entirely true. Right? Right? in a sermon he preached in April of 2018 Andy Stanley said that although although the Old Testament is divinely inspired the church today must unhitch the Christian faith from the Jewish scriptures if it's divinely inspired why in the world would I want to unhitch from it and 2 Timothy tells me that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Not just some of it. The reason he gives for this is that the Old Testament is a stumbling block to the post-modern people. Your modern Gnostics. And I'm thinking he holds this opinion about the Old Testament because he doesn't believe in the Genesis account, that first chapter. He doesn't hold to the Tower of Babel, Noah's flood, Jericho's walls. Again, this is my opinion. See, Andy Stanley is not not the only one to question the absolute authority of Scripture. He's not alone. Folks, there are many, many men and women out there who do just this. But they're very clever in the way they present it. People are not listening to what's being taught to them. And so they're accepting it. It's Andy Stanley after all. There's a very strong... And I don't know if you guys are aware of this either, but there's a very strong growing trend in Christianity today that Jesus Christ, they're questioning whether or not Jesus Christ is an actual historical person. Well,
1: that won't get them far. Huh? That won't get them far because there's so many extra biblical
0: sources. I'm going there. That's exactly where I'm going. All right, all right. No, no, but you're on track. You, you you see what? But why do we know that here in this church? Because we're being taught. There you go. That's exactly right. But the, but there's a lot of churches that are not being taught this stuff. Yeah. So there's a very strong trend in Christianity today that uh, Jesus is really a myth invented by the church. And this began around 300 A.D. at the Council of Nicaea. That's when a lot of Christians, they call themselves Christians, that's when they believe Christianity actually became Christianity. Okay? I looked up a a fellow by the name of Professor Ehrman, and uh, he was interviewed on NPR radio, all things considered and I'll give you an excerpt of that interview um, this is um, he's, this guy wrote a book um, uh, The Historical Jesus and he wrote this book he says I wanted to approach this question as a historian to see whether that's right or not whether Jesus actually existed in history if, you know, if there's proof in history and he said, the answer is straightforward and widely accepted among scholars of all faiths. But he says, Ehrman says that there is a large contingent of people claiming that Jesus never did exist. Okay, so you've got your conservatives that say, yes, he existed. But we have a generation being raised up in the church that's questioning this.
1: Why
0: I understand, hon. <laughs> I understand. We understand that but the mindset of these people who are accepting this stuff you can still have a church but without Jesus uh, he says these people are known as mythicists Mythists. He says, it was a a surprise to me to see how influential these mythicists are. He says, historically, they've been significant. And in the Soviet Union, in fact, the mythicist view was a dominant view. And even today, in some parts of the West, and in parts of Scandinavia and Europe, it is a dominant view that Jesus never existed. So that kind of explains why Europe is in the situation in, in the state that it's in. And just a little while ago, they had a common... European Common Games celebration where they rolled out this huge bull and they all worshipped this bull and there was a woman riding on the back of the bull holding a light up which was an, an, which was a symbol of an enlightenment to the nations huh, where have I read bull worship before? that's yeah, I'm not going to go there yeah hmm. so nothing's new under the sun he said, this is this, is this guy, he's, he's also, he's a, he's a professor in a major college, he's a religious professor in a major college, okay, I want you guys to understand this. He says, he says, mythicist arguments are, very, are fairly plausible. He says, according to them, Jesus was never mentioned in any Roman sources, and there is no archaeological evidence that Jesus ever existed. Even Christ, Even Christian sources are problematic. This is a man who teaches in a Christian college. Even Christian sources are problematic. He says the Gospels uh, came long after Jesus' death, written by people who never saw the man. That's a lie. That is an outright lie, but yet this man is teaching young people who are going to this college to receive a religious education. Matthew, we know from Matthew 9.9, Matthew was called directly by Jesus to follow him. Matthew's gospel was written four years after the ascension of Jesus Christ. Just four years. John, we're looking at his epistle. He's telling us, you can believe the record. He's the man who laid his... Head on Jesus' chest and heard the heartbeat of God. That, to me, is a pretty good witness. Luke, with his many infallible proofs, 31 years after the ascension of Jesus, he went and he talked to eyewitnesses. He spoke to eyewitnesses and wrote his gospel can you think of anything that happened 31 years ago that was significant in history but about the Oper- operation desert storm when storm and norman went in there and freed kuwait and we, we almost took over iraq you still remember that Do you remember where you were when all that was going on that's not that far back the gospel of mark Just 25 years after Jesus um, was ascended into heaven. 25 years ago, Princess Diana dies in a car accident. That's pretty, you know, I remember where I was when I heard when she was killed in that car accident. Timothy McVeigh was convicted of The bombing of Oklahoma. That was just twenty five years ago. So and there's turn to Mark fourteen, forty eight. Turn to the Gospel of Mark fourteen, forty eight. There's a really curious passage in Mark's gospel. Mark fourteen, forty eight. Whistle when you're there. And there you go. Mark 14, 48. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Are ye come out as against a thief with swords and with staves to take me? I was daily with you in the temple, teaching, and you took me not, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. And they all forsook him and fled. Verse 51. And there followed him a certain young man, having a linen cloth cast about his naked body, and the young men laid hold on him, and he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. Mark's gospel is the only gospel that has that little piece of information. Do you know who that young man was? It was Mark. He was a, he's a nephew of Peter. Mark was there at the Last Supper. He may have been helping and serving. And he followed them when they left to go to the garden. And he wrapped himself up in a sheet he probably fell asleep during the supper I don't know but that's Mark so Mark saw Jesus he heard Jesus why else would he put that in his gospel if it wasn't him if it wasn't him continuing with this interview with this man uh, uh, the interviewer from NPR asked this professor of religion about his relationship to Jesus and he said this is what this professor Ehrman says he says that he says that uh, that most of it is very historical his relationship is historical but most most of my relationship with Jesus is historical but Jesus teaches us valuable lessons Jesus's teachings of love and mercy and forgiveness, I think, should really should dominate our lives. But on a personal level, I agree with many of the ethical teachings of Jesus, and I try to model my life on them, even though I don't agree with the ap- apocalyptic framework in which they were put. Do you hear what he's saying? Yeah, Jesus is a great moral teacher. But he's not coming back to establish his kingdom. I don't believe in the biblical Jesus as Lord and Savior. But he is a great moral teacher. That's the teaching that many people are receiving. He's a great moral teacher. A great moral teacher. You know, this man is not the only one that's moving away from the biblical authority. The fact that, you know, they teach that Jesus is is a moral teacher. Is he just a moral teacher? No, he is not. He is God in the flesh. He is the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's that apocalyptic framework that they don't like. They don't like Men like this professor and men like Andy Stanley are seeking to—this is their words—liberate Christianity from its ignorance, in that it believes the Bible is its authority about life and faith, and they should be, and, and the church should become more enlightened, more enlightened. You know, uh, one guy made the observation about Andy Stanley. He said he said, Stanley may think he's removing intellectual roadblocks for postmodern folks. what he's actually doing is undermining the authority of the Bible in the next five generations. That's what he's doing. he's undermining the authority of the Word of God, and we're seeing that. Why do you think our families are in such a mess? Why do you think our kids are in such a mess? Why do you think they're teaching what they're teaching in our schools today? If the Bible cannot be taken literally as truth, being true through and through, then why bother with it at all? If some of it is to believe, and other parts are not to believe, then ask, who who determines which is... Which is truth and which isn't? We do. Yeah, modern Gnosticism aims to shift the source of authority from God to man. Instead of God judging man, man now judges God. it's this this sort of modern Gnosticism that says they believe in the Jesus of the death, burial, and resurrection but at the same time they undermine the very record that testifies to the fact that Jesus did die, was buried, and rose again do you see the 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 illogical way that this is brought but yet people are believing it Proverbs 19.27 says, Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causes error from the words of knowledge. And unfortunately, people aren't doing that. Jude, verse 4 says, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So on your worksheet, and this is the three blanks, Diane, All right. The Apostle John in this epistle of first John is assuring us that he is not following some fable or unhitching from the Bible. But that he and others had been eyewitnesses of what we believe, and that God has given us a blessed record that is true, written to give us assurance of that which is true. if the Apostle John didn't unhitch from the Old Testament, then neither should we. Amen? Amen? Amen. Okay. Alright, so I have another worksheet. So if I can get somebody to help hand this out. And we'll work on, we'll, we'll work, um, we'll get to the first page or two of this worksheet. <laughs> I'm I'm going through all of this because uh, one it is my responsibility to make you folks aware of this now you may be already aware of this but it's surprising how many people are not aware of what's going on around them it's almost as if if you remember I drew an ostrich up here with its, its head in the sand and unfortunately, there's a there's many American Christians that are just like that o- ostrich. So we're going to move on in uh, in our worksheet. Where am I at? Okay, so we've looked at um, the introduction, the Word of Life, eternal life manifested in Jesus Christ. And the visible Jesus, the invisible Father, has been brought forth for us to view. And then we've looked at the word of life experienced by the apostles. Uh, that which was from the beginning, God is the source of all of all life. And the life which God is was manifested to men through the word of life that is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now we're going to look at that which we have heard. So 1 John chapter 1. Verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. So that's where we're at in our worksheet. That which we have heard. So in your blank, we have heard, this, this is the disciple which testifieth, testifieth of these things. John 21-24, this is a disciple which testifieth of these things and wrote these things and we know that his testimony is true. In other words, what John is saying is this. I was there, I heard the very word of life. I heard him speak with his own mouth. My ears picked up on his words. He heard. So when one gives a testimony in a court of law, they're bearing witness and affirming to what they have seen and what they have heard or what they have experienced. That's what John is telling us. He says, I am a witness to what I am writing about. Um, You know, they, 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 they testify that they are an eyewitness, that they have heard with their own ears. That what they are telling you is, I was there, I saw it, I heard it. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. That's why the modern Gnostics want you to get away from the Bible. Because they know that the Bible is speaking truth. But they have another truth they, they want you to buy into. That's why, they, that's why they don't want anything to do with this, this truth. And that's why they want to bring us poor ignorant Christians away from the Bible and into their light. Exodus 20.16 says Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor These modern Gnostics are bearing false witness To God Serious A person convicted of perjury in a court of law Who knowingly gives false testimony under federal law May face up to five years in prison And in over $10,000 in fines very serious offense. Uh, depending on what state you're in, you know you could you could spend some time in jail. It's it's considered a felony if you you know give a false testimony in court. That's a felony offense. That's very serious. So you could spend some some serious time in jail and 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 spend some money on some serious fines. The law of Moses talks about perjury as well in Deuteronomy 19 starting in verse 16 he says if a, if a false witness rise up against any man to testify against him that which is wrong then both the men between whom the contra- controversy is shall stand before the Lord before the priests and the judges <clears throat> which shall be in those days and the judges shall make diligent inquisition And behold, if the witness be a false witness and hath testified falsely against his brother, then shall ye do unto him as he had thought to have done unto his brother. So shalt thou put the evil away from among you. That could be pretty serious there. Because if the false testimony that you're doing against your brother would lead to his death, then guess what happens to you? Yeah. That's very serious stuff. Now that's man's court, and that's man's penalties, and that's man's fines. But you know what? For antichrists and false teachers and false prophets, the penalty for lying about the things of God, the penalty for false witnessing of what the Word of God says is very serious. Jude chapter... uh, Jude chapter... Jude verse 12 these are spots in your feasts (laughs) spots in your feasts of charity when they feast with you feeding themselves without fear folks that are among us even today they are clouds they are without water carried about of winds trees whose fruit withereth without fruit twice dead They're not only dead physically, but they're dead spiritually. Plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. That's their future. They preach darkness, they lead others into darkness, they peddle darkness, they make themselves rich, by that darkness, they love that darkness, and guess what? God's going to give them in the end darkness. Now, I think you know, whenever you see these paintings and pictures of hell, you see these people writhing in flame. I think hell, when they that last final state will be absolute darkness. There will be no light. So when you end up, there will be no light. I went one time with a friend of mine to these caves that they have storage. And he said, you want to feel something eerie? I said, okay. He stopped the van that we were in, turned off the engine, turned off the lights. Wow. Wow. That is the first time I actually felt darkness. Absolute absence of light. That's their eternity. That's their eternity. This is that apocalyptic framework that this professor doesn't like to think about. But if you reject the light, what other option option is there? on your worksheet, the Apostle John and others had heard with their own ears the words of eternal life from the lips of he who is the word of life. John 6, verses 66 through 69. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Is that what you believe today? I hope so. Because if that's not what you believe today, and you continue in that unbelief, you're going to end up in that darkness. In fact, you're in darkness right now and you may not even be aware of it. The Lord revealed the Father by His words and His words were the evidence of His life and relationship to His Father. Turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8 and verse 42. This is where He is speaking with the Pharisees, Pharisees, the religious leadership of his day and it's this issue of fatherhood who you know who is your father in John 8:42 Jesus is speaking to them he said Jesus said unto them if god were your father you would love me for i proceeded forth and came from god neither came out of myself but he sent me why do you not understand my speech Here's why, even because you cannot hear my word, ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. Pay attention to what he just said, there, folks. The spirit of error is live and well, and and, and pumping out his propaganda. And though it may sound feasible, Jesus said that there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. So all these antichrists, all these false teachers, all these false prophets, where do you think they're getting their material from? But we don't think about such things. We really don't. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. He says, which of you convinces me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He says, he that is of God, heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. You see, this is something that we need to understand there are some who will not hear and cannot hear the words of God because they reject the words of God for what they are and if you reject truth what is left to you? what else is there? lies lies He that is of God heareth God's words, ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God." Don't let their religious garb fool you. Don't let their mega church fool you. Don't let their big black Bible fool you. Listen to what they are saying. John, First John 4, 5 says, They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. That's, that's what they appeal to. They appeal to that worldly nature in all of us. Right? You want to be rich? Give to me. And God will bless you. You want to be healed? You see where the appeal is toward? toward the world on your worksheet the modern Gnostic will tell us that we can believe some of the Bible but not all of the Bible you believe what I tell you to believe that's the message on your worksheet that we can trust a part of the Bible to be true but not so much other parts of the Bible I'll tell you what to believe just listen to me I won't lead you astray I'll tell you what to believe Jesus spoke the words of eternal life and when Jesus spoke these words what did he often quote? the Old Testament the very very book that Andy Stanley is telling the church to unhitch themselves from Now, if the Old Testament was good enough for Jesus, right? It's good enough for me. Yeah, he wrote it. You're absolutely right, Ron. But the point is, if Jesus quoted the Old Testament, then who am I not to do the same thing? Who am I to unhitch myself from the very word that Jesus taught? Jesus wrote in John 5.39 He says search the scriptures for in them ye think ye have eternal life. What scriptures was he talking about? Yeah. And they are they which testify of me. Do you realize what you're doing when you pitch the Old Testament? You are depriving yourself of learning about Jesus because the Old Testament is full of pictures and types of our blessed Savior. And appearances. Verse 40 of John 5, And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. He says, I receive receive not honor from men, but I know you that ye have not the love of God in you. That's the problem. There is no love for God. There is no love for God's word. There is no love for God's spirit or his church. He says in verse 43, I am come in my father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. And by golly, they will. They're doing it now, and yet there's a man coming that they're going to receive with open arms because they're going to think that he's got all the answers. I'm sorry, I'm getting worked up. (laughs) (laughs) He says, how can you believe? Which receive honor one from another, and seek not the honor that cometh from God only. Do you know what impresses people today? whether you've got a doctorate doctor so and so said this and doctor so and so said that it don't matter if whatever the doctor said it doesn't line up with the word of God he's got a doctorate so he can't be wrong he's gone to Bible college he's gone to HBI he's gone to shepherd school so he must know what he's talking about no not necessarily not necessarily so many people are so impressed by credentials and doctorates. You know what PhD
1: stands?
0: Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I've got several variations on that. None of them are appropriate. Yeah. Verse forty-five. He says, "Do not do not think that I will accuse you to the Father." There is one that accuses you, even Moses, in whom you trust. Let me tell you something, folks. These guys with all these letters behind their names, when you take them to the Word of God and you show to them that they're wrong, naturally their pride won't allow them to admit that they're wrong. I I carpooled with a Bible college student one time and he asked me a question. He says... He said, what do you think uh, is um, the purpose of man? What do you think, uh, you know, what do you think God's uh, purpose for man is all about? And so he said, well, let me tell you what I think. And so it was a it was a 25-minute drive. He was carpooling with me, a 25-minute drive, and he spent the whole 20 minutes pontificating on this and that and that and this. And this is a Bible college student, very smart man, very sharp, and he said to me he said, well what do you think about all of that it was very impressive it was quite a speech he said well what do you think about all that and I said well I don't know what to think about that but let me tell you what the Bible says it says let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man and you know what he said to me where did you find that where's that at you see the man was studying man's words he wasn't studying God's word that's why he didn't know it was there that's why he didn't know it was there Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes yeah last two verses he says here for had ye believed Moses you would have believed me for he wrote of me don't go on hitching from the Old Testament folks don't listen to Andy Stanley or his ilk he says in verse 47 but if ye believe not his writings how shall ye believe my words you know what Jesus just did he equated his words to God's word and and men like Andy Stanley when they make statements that they make they have just made a liar out of Jesus Christ who is the way the truth and the life now who are you going to believe but do you know how many people would rather go Andy's way? Too many. Too many. Some of God's word cannot be words of eternal life, while others are. It either is all eternal life words of eternal life or not. That would be inconsistent with the word's own testimony of itself. Psalms 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. Perfect. That means complete, sound, having integrity, truth. Sure means reliable, certain it is something you can stake your life on don't let anybody tell you any differently and they do it all the time they are trying to steal from you the fellowship that God wants to have with you oh they never come right out and say it but that's what's happening that's what's happening if the modern Gnostic is, is correct and we can only trust in, in, in only some of the Bible and not all of the Bible then right here the Bible lies about itself and I'm sorry I'm not going to trust in a liar and if the Bible is lying about itself we might as well close the book and go home and watch the chiefs yet there are people who are swallowing this swill all the time 1 John 2.21 says I have not written unto you because you know not the truth but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ he is antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son I don't deny Jesus. I don't deny that Jesus died and was buried and rose again, but I do deny his word. You can't do that. Because 1 John tells me that he is the word of life. You deny, let's, let's, let's just get it right down to simple brass tacks. You deny the Bible, folks, and you pretty much have denied Jesus Christ. That's all there is to it.
1: That's
0: all there is to it. You reject the Bible, you've rejected Jesus Christ. Is that hard? Is that harsh? No, that's truth. But yet people are doing it all the time. Oh, I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe that. They do it all the time. Why do you think their life is like it is? time is it Uh, yeah there's just so much there's just so much Psalms 119.104 says through thy precepts I get understanding therefore I hate every false way thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path I remember as a kid, my dad gave me an old flashlight. It was one of those uh, flashlights that had the bend in the neck, the old military style. And I thought, oh man, this is neat, what a great toy. I know why my dad gave it to me now. Because it was faulty. You know, you'd turn it on, it'd work for a while, and then the light would go out, so you had to beat on it, shake it, get that light bulb reconnected to whatever it was that was bringing the power from the battery. There are multitudes running around with a Bible that is really a faulty light. A faulty light. And is it any wonder because they have a faulty light? That they have not learned to hate every false way. Because how can you tell if there is a false way if you are using a faulty light? You have to have the real light to know the false way. Oh, try this one. Try that one. It's easier to read. It may be easier to read, but you've got to beat on it to get any light out of it. The Apostle Paul warned of these times. 2 Timothy 4.3 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. That is happening right now. In fact, I'll even go as far to say there are people sitting in this church that are listening to teachers because they've got itchy ears. When God's people become seduced by these beguilers, that begins a downward, slippery slide into darkness. You think you're being enlightened? Well, let me tell you, there's more than one light in this world. Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causes error from the words of knowledge. Proverbs 19.27 If Jesus Christ quoted from the Old Testament, who am I, or who is anyone, to do any differently? As in John's day, so also on own day, we can believe the record that has been delivered to us. You don't need to shake and beat on this light. It's a steady, constant light. And don't let anybody give you a cheap imitation. You stick to this light. It will not lead you astray. John 21, 24. This is the disciple which testifieth these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Don't let anybody steal that away from you. Don't let anybody steal that from you. Father in heaven.